can you hear me? Ah. Am I on the mic? Yeah, good, good. Just making sure. Right. Good morning and welcome to our Sunday meet meeting here at Dalesdown. Different venue, isn't it? But it's lovely. Um, obviously, if you don't know me, I'm Neil. I'm one of the elders here. I've really enjoyed the weekend away. It's been really good to be family together. I suspect there are lots of tired people. So if you do fall asleep and I see you, I will forgive you. Um, it's usually my wife, actually, but she's not here. She's getting our dinner ready. Um, now, we've been looking at what it means to be the family of God, and we've kind of been doing it as well. We've been doing being the family of God together. And we started with some teaching that Craig and Russell shared. So Craig looked at encountering the family of God. The fact that we are in the family of God. It's not something we have to do this and do that or be a particular person or change something. When we turn to Jesus, we are automatically part of the family of God. And it's brilliant, isn't it? And I, there's lots of things Craig spoke about. You, if you haven't, weren't there, you need to listen. I think we're going to put it somewhere. Um, but I like the bit about not just being acquaintances or adversaries. You know, you think about families, you can be a bit like that. But actually to be siblings, to be brothers and sisters who love one another. And it's fantastic, isn't it? And then Russell looked at experience. And he shared a lot about things he did in parts of his life that weren't so good for him as a being in the family of God. And then good choices that he made. And, you know, we love having him here. And he needs lots of encouragement. So I want to keep encouraging him. I remember that. And... Um, that we need to really be in the family of God if we want to thrive and grow in our walk with Jesus. Um, they also both apologised for talking about Ephesians. I wanted to just clear something up. I'm not preaching on Ephesians this morning. We're preaching on Ephesians in the autumn. And it won't be till September the 18th or something we actually start. So, but actually, I think it's good to start dripping in stuff that we're going to look at. Because I don't know about you, but when I look at the Word of God... Sometimes I think I need to hear it about seven times before I actually get it. So anyway, that's the way it goes. Now, when I was preparing for this morning, I was thinking about the different sorts of families we come from or that we've seen or that we experience. And we've all got <clears throat> excuse me, lots of different family backgrounds. Some families are quite insular. They're quite closed, aren't they? they you get kind of extreme examples of those in soaps you know, the kind of us-against-the-world family. And really, it's quite hard to get into that kind of family. It's quite, um, you know, if somebody comes along and they like someone in that family and they're going to become part of that family, they, there can be a lot of suspicion and a lot of hostility. And it might, they might have to kind of prove themselves to be accepted and part of that family. Even years later, they still maybe they feel or they're seen as a bit of an outsider, even when they've married in and they've got children as part of that family. But I'm glad to say most families are much more welcoming, aren't they? Um, you know, you feel they want you to be there and they make an effort and people are hospitable and they're kind and, and, they're, and they're really excited. You know, I, I've recently, in the last couple of years, had a son-in-law join my family and I found myself saying when I was away that I really love him and I really, you know, you grow and love people, don't you? And uh, not, I'm not always good at saying things like that out loud, but, you know, that's a good thing. But I can remember when I was younger, when I was sort of past teenage years, come back from university, and 
I had a friend and his family were amazing. And I would go to their house. They seemed to just have variable numbers of people there every Sunday. They always seemed to be, his mum and dad always seemed to have time for you. They never seemed to be phased by the fact that you were there. They always fed these hungry people. Um, there was a lot of hustle and bustle. And I learned so much from them and I always wanted to be like them. You know, you really wanted to, you know, when you get people like that, you really want to be like them. And, you know, when I had a home and a family of my own, I wanted to be like that. And, of course, we as the family of God, we should be like that, shouldn't we? We should be a place where people feel welcomed. They don't feel a burden. They don't feel they shouldn't be here or they're not quite right or they don't measure up and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, we encounter being part of God's family and we want them to encounter that as they get to know us, as they come into our, the things that we do, you know, the events that we put on our meetings, our, the things that we do to serve our community. We want them to know that they're welcome, don't we? And um, we're going to kind of look at a scripture this morning where we're going to look at something else we need to do when people enc- encounter our family, and that is we want them to know the good news about Jesus. It's very simple, isn't it? Who Jesus is, what he's done, um, what that means for them. We want them to get to know Jesus and get to know being part of God's family. And in this, we're going to see how we're called to do that, in fact, how we're sent by Jesus to do that, and how they can hear and get the opportunity to turn to Jesus and join the family of God. And before I start looking at God's word, I just want to pray. I want to ask God to speak to us, to help us to respond and do whatever he wants us to do, and and for us to grab hold of whatever he wants to say through what I've prepared and what I've brought. So, Father God, I just want to pray. Sometimes your word is really simple, it's really obvious, and the big issue we have sometimes is kind of putting it into action, it's kind of working it out for ourselves. And Lord, I just want to pray for each person here. I want to pray that they will get your heart, the things that you want to say. I kind of, I kind of had an image in my head of, I'm a bit like a very small person, and as I come and bring the word, there's always a sense, I think as a preacher, that there's this massive God behind us who actually wants to engage with us, wants to speak to us, wants to encourage us and help us and challenge us. And, and he's just so good. He's been so good this morning in what he's done. And I just pray, Lord, that you would keep doing that now in your name. Amen. Okay. So before we look at our scripture, there's a bit of context Um, We're going to be looking at Romans 10, and there's a sort of a chunk of Romans, kind of chapters 9, 10, and 11, and they're all kind of, although they get quoted for all sorts of things, they're all really about Paul and the Jews, and about the fact that he is really upset because the majority of his people, the Jews, have rejected Jesus, and it's really him sort of really wrestling with that issue and um, the other thing to say is it's is to see that when we look at a pastoral letter we need to get the idea that it's a family thing often we kind of look at the the letters near the back of the bible where different people particularly Paul wrote to churches and we kind of we look at it with a kind of um, 21st century individualistic look so we kind of think oh God's telling me to do that God's telling me this This is what God is saying. But these letters were written to churches, or even a group of churches, probably in the case of Romans or Ephesians that we're going to look at later. 
And we need to remember that when we hear it. So it really fits into our family theme. And um, I want us to just hold that in our heads, really, that God is speaking to us as a church together. Um, you know, a group of people who live in West Sussex, lots of us in Billingshurst, Pulborough, Partridge Green, I can't think of everywhere, Storrington, etc. We all live all around this area. And there is a kind of a personal thing in what we're going to bring, but there's also a corporate thing that we do together. And this is what God, you know, this is one of the things that God is calling us to do. And it, it relates to a lot of the stuff we've already shared in the last year or so with our new vision. So I'm going to read the middle bit of Romans 10 first, which is Romans 10, verses 14 to 15. So Paul says, How then will they call on him in who they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Now, in this chapter, Paul kind of, just, just to give a summary of what we're, what's happening here is, in verses 1 to 4, he kind of looks at the dangers of salvation through works. He talks about the fact that the Jews are kind of seeing the way to get themselves right with God, to get their lives sorted out, is to follow the law, which they were given by Moses. And Paul's saying, that doesn't work. And then he kind of looks about, and then he brings the truth out, as we're going in 5 to 13, and we come to our verses, there's only one way to salvation, and that's through faith in Jesus. And then he breaks out with this, these verses, and I, I think if he was speaking it, he'd be crying out and shouting. He'd be passionate, because at this point, he has got, he's thinking about these people that he loves, and he wants them to know Jesus, and he wants them to respond, and they have rejected Jesus, and he's just, it's almost like he's in physical pain, and he brings this chain of steps, and these are kind of the steps that everyone needs to go to, needs to go through. So there's this, if you kind of go to the bottom of the verses, first of all, someone needs to be sent. Someone needs to be sent to tell them about Jesus. Then that person needs to proclaim the gospel. Then they need, then the person listening needs to believe. And they have to have faith in Jesus. And then they have to call on the name of Jesus, expressing where they're at with Jesus with their mouths and saying that he's their Lord and Saviour. Now, these, I've often heard these verses used, I think sometimes, unfortunately, not in the right way, kind of used to motivate us to share the good news about Jesus, but they're kind of out of, out of need, out of the fact that um, people need to hear about Jesus. But there's quite a sort of sense of, why aren't you doing this? Come on, why aren't you telling people about Jesus? Um, there's kind of a legalism in there. Rather than actually us having the heart that Paul's got here and having the heart that Jesus has for them too, you know, that we love people. There's compassion in our hearts. And we don't want them to go through life without Jesus. We don't want them, you know, the bad stuff to happen to them. But it's because we love them and we care for them. But I think it's really helpful to look at this before we move to what we have to do is to think about the fact that we are sent because it changes the tone of the whole thing. Because then it's all about relationship. 
We've talked this whole weekend about relationship with each other and with Jesus. It's about our membership of the family. And it's because of that relationship, what we do then flows out of that, rather than out of, you've got to do this, you've got to do that. It's not a job. You know, our call, our mission statement is what we, what we do. Jesus said in Matthew 28, in 18 to 20, the great, the great Commission, I'm sure loads of you know this. Jesus said and came to them, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. See, Jesus sent us to do a lot more than just preach the good news. But he didn't just send us. He promised to be with us. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Can you imagine doing the stuff that God calls us to do on your own? I can't. I mean, we try sometimes, don't we? But yeah. And also, this is not something, and it's good when we get a letter like this. It's for all of us. It's for us as a church family as well as us individually. You know, and we even do it in the fact that we exist as a church. The fact that we worship together, the fact that we meet together, the fact that we proclaim certain truths, the fact that we try to live in our community in a different way, and we, we do that together. There's something prophetic about that. And it tells, you know, people don't always know what's going on, but there's something prophetic about that. Just our very existence is part of this call. But you've got to be careful when you look at this. The ESV, I don't think, is that helpful, although many scriptures will use the word preach here. The problem is we mean different things with preach. And it's not public speaking, it's not standing here like I am at the moment. It's more about proclamation. The actual word, I mean, I'd, I look this up, I don't know Greek. Craig probably knows a little bit more than I do. Um, with the courses he's been doing, but there's this word cariso, and it kind of means to herald. And I thought that's quite useful, actually, because when you think about a herald, what does a herald do? They kind of, they come to a place, they stand there, and they say, behold, the king's coming. You need to listen. That's kind of the role. That's the kind of thing that Paul is doing. You know, they, a herald serves someone who is greater, who is important. They're not, really. They're just a servant. And they're saying, look, they're coming. You need to listen and take notice of them. And that's what we're called to do. We're called to be heralds of Jesus. We're called to bring the message of salvation and say, Jesus is coming and they need to listen to him. It's not our job to be Jesus, is it? And then when they hear the message, and this gets onto what the other person does, what we hope is that they believe. And then if, and we want them to have faith in Jesus. You know, Paul talks about the wrong route of salvation. He, he almost looks like it's like a blind alley of following the law, following rules and regs. And I think a lot of people think that's what being a Christian is. Uh, the problem with that is there are 365 specific laws, I think they say, or something like that. And I don't know how anyone could follow every single one of them and get them right. You've got to know them. You've got to be perfect, not tired, not feeling them, having you're having a bad day. Um, it's just impossible, isn't it? 
It's never going to save you. And he really emphasizes how, and he does it in lots of his letters really, the only way to salvation is faith in Jesus. And what, what, every, you know, what we had to do and what anyone has to do is just believe that Jesus did what he said he did, that he died on that cross, he died for us, and because of that he saved us from our sin and that he was risen from the dead and that proves it, that what he did. And then Paul talks about this call. They need to speak out the fact that they believe in Jesus. And it says in Romans 10, 8 to 9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Now just a bit of clarity here. You're not saved by saying, I believe in Jesus and he is Lord and Saviour. That's salvation by works. What you're doing here is expressing the inward change that's happened in your heart. And you're speaking it out. And there's this wonderful sense of kind of, you're almost confirming to yourself, yes, I believe in Jesus. What he says is true. It's going to change my life. And he has saved me. And he rose from the dead. And I'm one day going to rise from the dead too. And that his sin-bearing death on the cross in our place and his resurrection from the dead means that we are saved from our sins. And that trusting in Jesus and never in anything that we do is our only way to salvation. Amen. Yes, Adame. We are sent, we proclaim, so that people can believe and call on his name. So what does this mean for us today here in 21st century UK. How should our thinking change? What should our actions be? What do we say? Who are we? And I felt God really impressed with me. The first thing to really focus on is the fact that we are all, we are all sent. And we are sent to proclaim the good news. And there's two great truths. Firstly, we're in it together. Our church family contains lots of different people. We have different gifts. We have different strengths. We have different personalities. I think I said to someone last night, isn't it good that we're not all the same? Some of us, some of us are brilliant at talking to people about Jesus. Some of us find it hard. Um, some of us are fantastic at serving. Um, we, we're, we've got all sorts of gifts, haven't we? And I was thinking, you know, like thinking about Alpha... Imagine Alpha if we had no practical people, or no hospitable people, no homes, no meals cooked for our guests, no organisation. But then also imagine Alpha with no one who wants to lead a talk, no one with, no one with the gifting to be able to lead a discussion and encourage people to look at the different truths and start thinking about what they've heard and the questions that they've got and the things they don't agree with and the things they do like and, and kind of working through that. And that's just a quick, you know, just a quick thing. There's a lot more to it than that. But thank God we are called to do this kind of thing together. We complement one another. We stand with one another. And we can support one another in what is such an important, urgent and challenging task. But also, and I think this is even better, Jesus has sent us 
And I want us to grab hold of that. Jesus has sent us. And he promises to be with us in this. I'm going to share something that happened to me recently, actually. I ended up in a really tricky conversation. I, I meet up with some guys sort of pretty much every month, and we have beer and curry. I know it's hard, but someone has to do it. And um, it was just after the Road versus Wade decision, and we got into a very awkward discussion about abortion. And I, can't, I found myself in an awkward place because I had to say what I thought. I wasn't going to lie. I know these guys really well. And obviously, I don't agree in the, the round with it all. But also, I wanted to kind of express my concern that I've got compassion for people who get caught in terrible life situations. And it's not an easy choice. There's no black and white answers with all of this, is there? And, you know, we chatted about that. And to be honest, I was a bit, oh, no, this isn't really helpful. What idea are they going to get about Christians in that? And, uh, but it was really interesting because much later in the evening, after we'd had our curry and gone back to another pub, I started chatting. This sounds bad, doesn't it? I started chatting to one of my friends who's actually, I think, also come from quite a legalistic Catholic background. And he said something to me which was quite awesome, really. He said, I always thought Christians were like this, dot, dot, dot. I didn't realize that they, were, they cared about people and they weren't judgmental. And I, felt like, I just felt like God just slotted something in my head. Because often when you have these things, you feel like, what a waste of time. But that actually Jesus had put me in that place, in that awkward situation. And when I got hold of that, I thought, oh, right. I've got fresh faith now for sharing with my friends. And, you know, this particular guy... It might not be with me, it might not be here, it might be somewhere else, but I just think his misconceptions have been kind of changed about Christians and maybe he'd be a bit more open. Amen. Good to pray for him. I am praying for him. And I think we can get, I don't know, certainly when I was a younger Christian, we can get so het up about sharing our faith, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. We make it a big deal, don't we? And I just wish I could relax sometimes. And I think, if I have a sense of the fact that God has sent me, he sent us together, and actually, yeah, there's going to be some bad bits and some easy bits and some good bits, but actually Jesus is with us in that. People didn't always respond well to Jesus, and he was much cleverer than me and much more lovely than I am. And, you know, it gives us a sense of relief because Jesus has sent us. But, we do have a responsibility. This is probably my other point, really. We do have a responsibility to proclaim. But that can be in all sorts of ways. We will obviously think we've got to give someone a three-point talk on the gospel or do our 30-second elevator pitch or whatever. Well, I'm not very good at those at work either. Um, it might be, might be a little bit surprising, you know, that even in a conversation that was a little bit negative with my friend, that God was working. You know, that they, it's okay that people might know that we, we, do, we are concerned about the truth and what's right and wrong, but also that we love people and help them. It might just be helping people in need. It might be a bit of social action, helping Ukrainians, you know, whatever. It could just be, do you want to come to our Alpha launch? 
do you want to come to our Christmas service? That's, I, I was thinking there are probably as many ways to proclaim the gospel as there's people in this room, as there's people in our, in our church. Um, just as a heads up, we are going to be starting Alpha in autumn. And we're going to have a whole Alpha Sunday on the 18th of September. There's lots of things happening. I don't, actually, I don't know what's happening because I'm not really in charge of it. Uh, we've got Chris and Craig's a bit involved as well. But we've got a lot going on, so just watch this space. But also, as well as having a responsibility, I just wanted to give us a sense of release as well. Because we're not responsible, and we all know this, but we're not responsible for how people respond to the good news about Jesus. Um, in the last few verses of Romans 10, you can look at these later, Paul quotes a lot of Old Testament scripture, but it's really all about how the fact that many people will not respond well to the good news about Jesus and what's going to happen to them. And this is the tough side of the gospel, um, that people, some people will respond positively. And actually, I think more people do than you realize. But many won't. And that's hard. Because often the people that we're sharing our faith with, they're our friends. They're our family. They're people that we know and love. And we want them to know Jesus like we do, don't we? And sometimes they don't. And it's not hard. But then if we don't tell them, how are they ever going to get the opportunity to respond? So that's kind of the heart of what Paul's saying. That's what it's about. You know, we don't know who's going to say yes. And we don't say who's going to, who's going to say no. Our responsibility is to tell them. That's it. Okay, so if the band would like to come up, I'm nearly done. Um, I wanted to end with a really beautiful picture. And um, Paul's verses finish with this thing about beautiful feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I look at my feet. Well, I've also I've got a bite that's gone a bit funny. Um, I don't think I've got beautiful feet. They're pretty horrible. Um, some people have lovely, beautiful feet, but I'm not one of them. But when I'm sent and I answer the call, what Paul's saying here is that, you know, when I'm telling people about Jesus and the good news about Jesus and what he has done, then God is saying, I've got beautiful feet. These ones, I, I personally chose ones that weren't particularly super beautiful. Um, because what I'm doing when I respond to what Jesus called is a beautiful thing in his sight. And you know, it's a privilege and a joy to be extending the family of God, isn't it? And so I want us to remember, church, that we are sent. We are sent to proclaim the good news about Jesus so that people can believe and confess him as Lord. And when we do this, we have beautiful feet. I'm just going to pray and the band are going to lead us in worship. Yeah, Father God, I want to thank you that you want us to have beautiful feet. And I don't think it's because we kind of look beautiful. It's because of what we're doing. It's so beautiful that we are sharing our wonderful, lovely, brilliant Savior, Jesus, who gave his life for us, who died for us, who, who did everything for us. And we're telling people about him. We're proclaiming that good news and and you're, you are with us in that, and you are going to change lives. And what a beautiful thing to do.
What a privilege. So Lord, I want to pray that every person, every one of us, knows that. And Lord, I just want to pray for those who maybe are still just on the edge or just not sure about you. That Lord, it's a work of your spirit to convict them and to reveal yourself to them. So I just pray, Lord, that you'd reveal yourself afresh and anew to anyone who is kind of not sure about you this morning. But Lord, just let us know that we've all got beautiful feet. Thank you, Lord. Amen.